Welcome to another episode. Finally, finally we're back for another episode of the True Blue Podcast. It's Trey Smith. And it's Tracy Hall. And we're here and we're back to give you the therapy that you want and you need. The Cowboys therapy you want and need that you've been missing for a few weeks now. I mean, Tracy, between the holidays and between COVID and... Oh man, what an adventure. Cowboys slump. I mean, it's like it went hand in hand. It's like as soon as the True Blue yeah. podcast started slumping, the Dallas Cowboys started slumping. Yeah. So I'm hoping now that we're back on track, we can get our boys and Dak back on track. And make no mistake, the True Blue podcast is back. And hey, at, at a perfect time, Trey, because evidently, even after last night, the New Orleans game, a lot of Cowboys fans are going to need a bunch of therapy, even with a win. And we're here to give that. Oh, yeah, because they beat the Saints Thursday night. But let's go back to when we kind of went into our own little slump, which was, I believe, right after the Denver game, which, I mean, I, I think it's understandable that that game sent us into such a a a slump or downward spiral that, like, we went off the air for a couple weeks. I mean, that game was so bad. It's like our offense didn't show up. Defense didn't show up. It was like as if Denver had the perfect game plan on both sides of the ball that even when we were down two possessions, it felt like we were down by 40 points. I mean, would you agree with that? Well, I got to tell you, I agree 100%. And I'm here to tell you right now, Denver gave me COVID. It did. It gave me COVID. They didn't have their mask on. I mean, it was just a nightmare. Denver gave me COVID because after the Denver game, everything circled the drain. Mm. Everything. But here's the good news, Trey. And we're going to go through these games. But the good news is, is we got 10 days to figure this thing out before we get to Washington. And we're going to go through and give you guys a little recap of what's been going on. And we're going to try to dissect this very hard team to dissect. But if anybody can do it, the True Blue Podcast can do it. Oh, yeah. So we followed up the Denver just failure with a pretty convincing win over the Falcons. It seemed like the first quarter was still a little bit of a, I don't know, we had the big play from, I don't know if it was a big play, but we had the touchdown pass from Dak to CeeDee Lamb. But the the thing really seemed to... The, 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 the roof really seemed to come off in the second quarter. And we went on to score, gosh, 36 yeah. unanswered points in route to a 43-3 to victory over Dan Quinn's former team, the Atlanta Falcons. It was really nice to see the Cowboys back explosive. And, you know, after the Denver game, I kind of – I know you and I talked, and I kind of – I gave the Cowboys a free pass on that because the team I've seen all year long was not that team. So when we got to Atlanta and I saw the Cowboys explode like they will do, and I saw the defense get pressure, get Matt Ryan moving around, I really felt like, okay, this Cowboys team is ready to go up 
to what do they call that mile house or that's i'm sorry that's denver they call it arrowhead stadium supposedly one of the most difficult places to play in the nfl one of the loudest stadiums i thought we were going to go up there and be really ready well i mean what'd you think well, I was thinking that, yeah, I mean, we got ourselves back on track. We got the convincing, confidence-boosting win that we needed. It was great for Dak because if you, you know, Cowboys fans remember, Dak was out for that Vikings game, which after that was our last podcast. And, um, you know, coming into that Broncos game, I was like, wait, is everything okay? Is Dak's first game back? Comes in, takes care of the Falcons, seemed like the stage was set for a big showing against the Chiefs. And I don't know, it just felt like such a death by a thousand cuts, so to speak, playing against the Chiefs. Cause it wasn't like they blew us out. I mean, they were, I mean, it was a, I don't know, at one point, wasn't it a, what, it felt like it was a 10 point game for a majority of the game, a six to 10 I mean, point I game. Our defense played great. I mean, I, I thought we really showed up. I mean, Mahomes had really, started to come into his own once again. And I thought the Dallas defense did did everything for our team to be able to win. But offensively, we just couldn't get anything going at all. Yeah. And it was it it was shown. It, it showed and then and then that carried into well I don't want to say that carried into the Thanksgiving game, but that was a very disappointing loss. I mean every loss is disappointing, but one, I hate losing on Thanksgiving Day. But we're going to lose to the Raiders on Thanksgiving day. That bothered me. And it felt like we put ourselves in a hole, or at least I felt like we should have done something with Anthony Brown that game. Yeah, they did absolutely. Yes, they did nothing to help him early. The writing was on the wall. He was getting torched. He was struggling to to get good positioning. He was struggling off the line. He wasn't looking back. He was just having a bad game. And I think you know, listen, every player has that in the NFL. But I thought the Raiders' strategy was just to throw it up, a hope and a prayer, and hope that we see some yellow material hit the ground. And we did the whole game. And I got to tell you. That was a very disappointing Cowboys loss to me, too. And, you know, oddly enough, we're getting very used to losing on Thanksgiving. It feels like to me lately, at least in the last four or five Thanksgivings, but the Cowboys were the better team in that matchup. And when you see, you know, uh, the Raiders, I mean, I don't know, man. To me, they look explosive, and I know they're not explosive. Yeah, and they don't have their coach. They don't have who was their most explosive player. I mean, obviously Deshaun Jackson still has it and he showed that he still, he's still the ultimate cowboy killer. But what really bothered me about that game was we're coming off Kansas city. It's Thanksgiving. It's a chance to reset played pretty poorly. Most of the game. Then all of a sudden we got a spark towards the end Dak leads a team down, and I think game-tying touchdown and two-point conversion, right? Because yes. we had to go for two there. We were chasing those points because, the, again, again, another missed extra point. You know, all of a sudden we're chasing points. Right, so then we, we, we do that, and then we allow them to come down, and I guess – Raiders kicker kicked a 56 yarder or whatever it was. I mean, it was insane. 
But I still thought, okay, if Dak can lead us down with, I don't remember what it was. I think we had less than a minute to play, maybe 90 seconds. We didn't have any timeouts, but we ended up kicking the field goal, I think with 19 seconds left. Game goes into overtime. And we win the toss. So I'm thinking, okay, here we go. We've played horrible pretty much the entire game, but it's Thanksgiving Day. We're going to find a way to win. It's going to be a huge boost for this team to go out and not put forth your best effort and your best ability, yet still be able to come away with a win on Thanksgiving Day in overtime. And the overtime kickoff penalty. And and didn't we start that drive like inside our own 10-yard line or something? And then we go three and out, and I just thought, that's it. I knew it was over. Vegas is about to win this game. Yep. Yep. And it's just a shocker that, um, one, it even got to that. But number two, you got the momentum. You're clearly rolling. And once again, a a ridiculous penalty. Uh, And here you are. You're backed up. Then your playbook gets shortened a little bit. But but even still, I mean, come on. The Cowboys have got to be able to get a first down. And we're seeing this as a trend for the past four or five weeks, even last night. We are seeing three and out, three and out, three and out. Well, and And in that game, it's shocking. It's like. I don't blame the refs because the refs were bad both ways that Oakland game. Terrible. I think where you saw a significant difference is we both had the same amount of penalties, I believe, but we costed ourselves like 50-something more yards than what yeah. the Raiders did. I, the Vegas Raiders. Um, so I keep thinking I'm saying Oakland, but it's not. It's it, I keep wanting to say yeah. Oakland, but it's – the Las Vegas Raiders. I think we each had like 14 or 15 penalties, but we had like 160 yards worth of penalties and they had 110. And so, yeah. And and it was the type of penalties and when the penalties happened that were so crucial for the Cowboys losing that game. So anyways, we got to shake that off, play another Thursday night game this week, New Orleans saints. We're going there. Even though they're broke down, beaten, injuries, no quarterback, no running back, no receivers, it felt like nothing. (laughs) You know they're going to have this Swiss Army Knife type quarterback with arguably one of the best play callers, play designers in the NFL. You knew you were going to get some trickery. You were going to get some trying to catch the Cowboys off balance, out of position. You knew you were going to get a really good opening play script and then some, uh, I don't know what do you want to call them, some, some different wrinkles that maybe the Saints hadn't put on film all year. And all things considered, you know, I'm not going to say the Cowboys played flawlessly, uh, but they did have interim head coach Dan Quinn filling in for Mike McCur- McCarthy, who's out with COVID. Cowboys had got some of their weapons back that we had been missing for the past few weeks. One of them being Amari Cooper, uh, CD lamb as well. I don't think we had either one of them for the, uh, um, Raiders, right? They're both out. That's right. Yep. So that helped, but it really wasn't the offense. I felt like that got us over the hump against the saints. It was our defense. 
Yeah, our, our defense um, uh, really saved us in that game. But, yes, uh, the Saints were shorthanded. But i got to tell you, Sean Payton put together the perfect game plan yeah. against the Cowboys, uh, as he as he always does. Uh, they have a really good defense. I think they're third against the run, 20th against the pass, 12th total. I was impressed by their defense. I really was. I thought they did a great job on the defensive line. But, but uh, yeah, our defense really – they really showed me something last night. They didn't quit and – you know, they did get some big plays on us. We didn't get frustrated. We stayed with the game plan. And I thought Dan Quinn did a, did a masterful job, you know, on the sideline. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't mind him being our head coach. You know, let's. I for sure let's, wouldn't. Let's, We've been talking about that. Let's get him a, yeah, a, a new offensive coordinator. One thing about Dan Quinn, I think that he learned from his time in Atlanta is how crucial it is for him to have the right offensive coordinator. Because when he had Kyle Shanahan yeah. as his OC, He's going to the Super Bowl in, you know, if not for the greatest comeback of all time by the greatest quarterback of all time, he has a Super Bowl ring. But then he loses Shanahan, goes to become the head coach at San Francisco, and then he brings in, I think, Dirk Cutter? I think that's who he is, Former head coach of the Bucs. And things just went south from there. And so I think if he had the opportunity to be a head coach again – he would definitely go find the right guy to be his OC. But that kind of leads me to this next talking point, Tracy. Like, what's going on with the Cowboys and what's going on specifically with Kellen Moore? Well, that's the thing that um, I think is really on everybody's minds, you know, in the NFL circles right now, because we all know Kellen Moore's the hot talk. You know, the guy, hey, look, he has shown some things last year, this year. But I'm not sure if teams are catching up with some of what he's doing. Or my other theory about this is possibly his offense is not an offense that can scheme anyone open, like some of these other offenses that we see that Mm. runs out anybody. And they're streaking down the field for a 60-yard touchdown. Mm -hmm. To me, his offense has to have the right position players, the right skill players, and his quarterback has to be precise. And that's how the Kellen Moore offense runs efficiently. Okay, okay. And we haven't had okay, that. Okay, so so Tracy, you know what you just described? You literally just defined a certain coach's offense that I'm thinking of. Who do you think that might be? Jason Garrett? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of feel like that because, I mean, listen, Kellen Moore has some fun plays he has all kinds of, of, of some cool calls, but ultimately football, like we talked about Shanahan, guys that can scheme anybody open, okay, that 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 the offense isn't going to stop when you lose a wide out or your number one or your number two or your running back. It's going to continue to churn up yards and to be at least somewhat efficient. But what I'm seeing with this offense, if we're missing bodies, and or or both if Dak is off a little bit, this offense sputters out. Mm. And that's what we're seeing right now because the other problem when we're dissecting what's wrong with the Cowboys, we're getting out our magnifying glass. I'm seeing a quarterback in Dak Prescott Mm. that came back after his injury for the Denver game who looked very tentative, very off, very skittish in that game and has continued, aside from the Atlanta game, to look very timid on the field. His attitude looks amazing. I can tell his heart's in it, but I'm seeing his throws being off. I'm seeing his 
decision making in the pocket is is happening a little faster than I'd want it to. And when he has open field to run, he's not running. When you have Derek Carr running for more yards than Dak Prescott mm-hmm. in a game, I got a problem. He's not taking the sidelines when they're there. He looks very shaky at this point in the season. And my biggest concern is Dak right now. How about you? Yeah, I mean, what do you think? You think maybe he's banged up with something? Maybe it's something just minor and nagging, but like. I hope it's that, Trey. You know, I, I hope it's not in his head right now, but oh, yeah. his throws don't look anything like they did in the first six games of the season. They sure didn't. He was dropping they them. They sure didn't Thursday night against the Saints. I mean, he had some. He was off again last night. And then and I, we saw it with our eyes. I also don't know how much of it, too, is not being on the same page with the receiver. Like maybe there was. Because right. there were some where it's like, who is he throwing to? And then I'm thinking, okay, was it really just that bad of a throw or did the receiver just run the completely wrong route? Um, right. Well, let's... They look off, and I think Dak... To me, I'm going to believe in Dak because ultimately I do think Dak is going to get hot at the right time. But he's definitely having a lull in his game right now, and it's very noticeable after last night. Yeah, after Thursday night uh, against yeah. the Saints. So... Let's let's talk about I want to talk about someone who we've talked about pretty consistently on the True Blue podcast who really over this stretch of games that we have been out of service he's kind of had a coming out party it feels like every single week and that's none other than Micah Parsons. This guy might just be one of the best edge rushers in the entire league and what I just can't not say (laughs) yes i said a double negative what i can't not say (laughs) is how many people were disappointed with that pick when it happened and i am going to say this as many times as i can until it's no longer relevant but i was the first guy saying get parsons i was talking to my wife i was talking to you we're watching the picks go down Sertain's or yes. uh, JC Horn goes off the board. Patrick Sertain, the second goes off the board. Everyone's in meltdown mode. And I'm like, yes, yes, it's happening. We're going to get Parsons. We're going to get Parsons. And then we traded back. And I thought, oh no, the Eagles or the Giants are going to draft this out. guy and he's going to make us regret it for the next decade, similar to Randy Moss, just in a different capacity. And lo and behold, it, apparently we had a master plan all along. Philly passed on him. New York passed on him. And then boom, the Cowboys drafted Micah Parsons, who I believe is defensive rookie of the year. He's making a case for defensive player of the year. But the one guy who might challenge him for that is on the same defense, just at a different level, more on the back end, and that's Trevon Diggs, who was at his eighth or ninth pick that he got Thursday night against the Saints. Number nine, right? Yeah, I think that's nine. Yeah, he is almost to 10. Um, he's breaking records. I mean, listen, the guy graded out on PFF at an 87 for the Saints game. His coverage has been good. Now, listen, he doesn't want to tackle. Mm. He, he's not going to tackle. We know that. But, you know, if you can be a shutdown corner, you don't have to tackle as far as I'm concerned. But, can you imagine if Philadelphia would have drafted Micah Parsons? I Man. mean, how how blessed we are. And you were you were 
on him from Jump Street. You sold me on him. I looked him up and I was praying we didn't take Sertan and, and we got Micah Parsons. And my gosh, we traded back and got the best player in the draft. Yes. And I got to tell you something. The kid's a rookie. He's not even a defensive end. And he might be at the end of the year up for defensive player of the year, like, like you just said. And also my whole thought right now going forward is I'm praying now that we got D law back, I'm praying they don't put him back at linebacker because I want to see what he can do with Demarcus Lawrence in the game. I really do. Yeah. And Demarcus Lawrence, I thought played a pretty good game considering all things, but, but we're, you know, I'm a little concerned because our linebacking situation is very dicey and I'm scared that, with Gregory coming back and Lawrence, that they're going to move Micah to linebacker. Well, I want to. I have a question for you on that here, here in just a second. But I don't want to get off the Trevon Diggs, Micah Parsons talk just yet because it's one of the bright spots and highlights and positive things happening with the Cowboys. So, first off, I'm also remembering my comparison, my player comparison for Micah Parsons coming into the league, and I said this. I even put it on Twitter on our official True Blue podcast account, the at True Blue Pod, was that Micah Parsons reminds me, or I could see him having the same type of impact as a guy like Von Miller, just with more speed and even natural athletic ability. So. He's showing that at least as as an edge rusher. Tracy. I mean, you hit on that, Trey. Von Miller. I mean, what a comparison, man. You said that from Jump Street before we even saw him in a pro uniform. And oh, did you see the look on Taysom Hill's face when when Micah closed on yeah. him? I mean, it was it, it, it was incredible. I've not seen a DE or a <laughs> linebacker with that kind of speed in a long time. Well, and the last thing I want to say, and then we get a button on this, and then I have a question for you that that involves some of our linebacking play, linebacker play, is we just started December, right? We just started December, and we've got a rookie with ten and a half sacks, which I'm pretty sure he's sniffing the rookie sack record. I'll I'll probably look that up before we finish recording this, but he's got to be getting close. And we have a corner who just got his ninth interception of the season where we all know the, the what's been kind of known as the unbreakable NFL interception record is 14, which I'm not saying he'll get that. Even if he doesn't get another interception for the rest of the year, he still put up an incredible season. When's the last time in Cowboy history where we've had an edge rusher or just a pass rusher with 10 and a half sacks and a cornerback with nine interceptions to start the month of December? I don't think it's ever happened. I I can't even remember that. I I don't remember that ever happening. I really don't. So let's see. Oh, oh, yeah. The freak, Javon Curse. He has the NFL record for sacks by a rookie with 14 and a half. Dude. Wow. That's hey, that that's in jeopardy. That's in right jeopardy. Because Parsons big jeopardy. Because Parsons has 10 and a half, right? Right. And now that you have Demarcus Lawrence that that's back, I mean, he's the he's gonna be commanding a little attention over there that Micah Parsons has been getting. Oh, absolutely. Well, let's let's transition now. So I want to ask you this. You you just alluded to the fact that anyone who's been watching the Cowboys, we've we've got some we've got some issues at linebacker. And one of them is a guy that I 
deemed our X factor for the season. Now, the reason why I deemed him our X factor was because I thought him playing at his best is what would allow the Cowboys to use Micah Parsons the way they've been using him. So it ended up working out in a different way. And, and the guy I'm talking about is Leighton Van Der Esch. But at the beginning of the season, if you remember before the season even started, actually, I was talking about we need Leighton Van Der Esch to be that X factor. If he can solidify the mic, then that will ensure that Micah Parsons is able to be put in a position where they can turn him loose and he can pin his ears back. Because I've been saying, as I've already said here in the last few minutes of this podcast, he's best utilized being able to not have to think too much not have to worry about too much, but go get the quarterback. Go make plays. He's a playmaker. And I was, and I think I use the exact term. If if Leighton Van Der Esch can solidify the Mike position, it'll allow the Cowboys to just turn Micah Parsons loose. He can just pin his ear back, ears back and go. See ball, get ball. Well, what's created that scenario is not because of how well Leighton Van Der Esch has been playing. It's actually been injuries to our other top pass rushers that's forced us to put Parsons there. And then now he's shown what he can do and he's doing it better than the guys we already had there. So now it's like, okay, we got to keep him here, but talk the long way around to say this Leighton Van Der Esch is, 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 is a problem right now, but let me say, or let me ask who's hurting us more right now. In your opinion, Tracy Leighton Van Der Esch or Anthony Brown. I say Leighton Vander Esch all day long, and and I say that because he just appears to take all the wrong angles. He appears to be missing tackles. He appears to be three steps slower than he was three years ago. And to me, he's not playing smart. And we always thought LVE was a smart player. And, you know, when you grade out after the New Orleans, the Thursday night in New Orleans game, uh, your PFF grade is a 46 one of the worst on the team, it's the worst on the defense, Mm -hmm. that's a problem. And to me right now, I would just assume bring in, who's that kid that we got? uh, Back at, not the one that we got hurt, not uh, Jabril Cox, but uh, the other kid that played pretty good last year sparingly. I can't think of his name, but anybody but this guy, we're wasting time playing this kid. This Leighton Vanderish, we're wasting time with him, man. It's just... He can't play the position. Yeah, what I hate to say what's that. happening though, because is it just injury? Is it a mental thing? Is it a physical thing? Like I don't I think it's a physical thing right now. I think he's been so injured. I think he's lost a step. And in the NFL, if you lose a step, man, that's 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 too much. Yeah. You, these guys are fast, they're big, and they're they're young. Every year a new one's getting drafted. So if you can't if you lose a step because of injury or just sitting out or or anything, you're behind the eight ball. And it can happen overnight. And I think that's what happened to him. His window looked good. He looked there for a brief minute. One of the best like in the he league. He might be an all pro linebacker. And then he got hurt, he had injury bugs, and he just never could get it together. And I hate that because he appears to be a cool kid and, and you know, somebody you wanted to succeed. But to me, it's just like Jalen Smith. To me, he's playing as bad as Jalen Smith was when he was here. Okay, and then let's get to Anthony Brown then. Um... I thought he played a lot better yesterday. He had an atrocious game. Yes, you know, he did. He had an atrocious game. 
against uh, the, our Thanksgiving game against the Raiders. I thought he bounced back great uh, Thursday night against the Saints. Um, I like the way he's played this year. I know he can be a punching bag. I've punched him. <laughs> I, I've I've been very critical of him, but uh, I think he's grading out pretty high this year. And to me, I think he's better than he was last year and the year before. I feel like he's getting better every year. But yes, he's he's a weak spot at times. Yes, for sure. So, what's going on with our second round pick then, Tracy? Do you, can you give me any information? Man, he on can't it? sniff the game, can yeah. he? <laughs> And when he does get yeah. in, he gets ejected, which I think that was a bogus yeah. call. That was BS. They never kick somebody out for that. But yeah, it's listen, I believe he will he will work his way into the starting lineup next year. I think he got off to a bad start in camp. I, I just think that things kind of uh, tumbled down hill for him there. I think he got in the doghouse a little bit. I just think that he needs to reset in the offseason, come back in uh, a little bit stronger. And just with the right mindset to play professional football. And listen, these are kids, as we know, that get drafted. I believe in this kid, though. I think he's going to be a stellar player for us. I'm not giving up on him. We thought it would be this year, but um, I don't believe it's going to be this year. What's your thoughts? I just, I don't know. What my thoughts are, I'm starting to wonder if it's a mental thing. Um, Yeah. Is it a physical thing? Because he... I mean, because he was hurt for a while. And so is his time being injured, did that cause him to get so far behind on what they're trying to do schematically that now he he can't get himself on the field because he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing, but he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing because of what he missed during the time when he was out with injury. Um, You're onto something right there, Trey. I I think you're 100% right. That's something I didn't talk about or think about, but – yeah, it's the NFL, man. Not for long. I mean, if you get behind the eight ball and and, and you're out as a rookie, yeah. you know, that's kind of tough to overcome. And I think a lot of young players, or not even players, like just people in general, some people learn by doing, right? And they learn by being in it. And so it's not that he hasn't been sitting in meeting rooms. and It's not that he's not listening to his coaches. And it's not that he's not even taking notes. It's just when you're watching someone break down film and you're listening to someone talk about, assignments and what to do and you're writing it all down for some people and i'm one of those people it really doesn't click until you're out there doing it and so if while he was hurt he's not able to get any kind of reps or or whatever his his, he was out for if you're not able to get any kind of reps at all these things you're expected to know how to do you're probably going to fall behind especially if you're a rookie who knows nothing about defensive NFL schemes. And so that's part of what I'm wondering is, okay, he he's he hasn't been able to really get adequate preparation. Therefore, he literally has no confidence. So can we trust to put this guy on the field? Because I'm thinking if he was anywhere even remotely close to being ready to cover and, and, and play within the scheme of what they're trying to do, he'd already have been in for Anthony Brown. Absolutely. But yeah, I think you're right on that tray. And, you know, that's something to watch. Um, my feeling on that, like I said, though, I, I think um, I think this is already a next year type thing for uh, for him. Um, I, I just see the Cowboys. I think they're going to go with what they got on this um, unless they can slowly continue to wo- work him in. Um, but, you know, because Casey, you know, oddly enough, he's had some pretty negative things going on with him. And, and you know, I, I think that the secondary this can be a very good secondary. 
But to me, I think teams are going to go at us the rest of the year. I think they're going to stretch us out, and I think they're going to hope for calls. And Anthony Brown's got to be disciplined, and and we got to have uh, Diggs tackling, and we're going to have to have KZ, you know, uh, continue to do what he's doing and stay out of trouble. And you know, there's a lot of things going on right now. I know the Cowboy fans we're all a little bit concerned, but Trey, why don't you tell us some bright spots and and tell us why everything's going to be okay. Get me excited about this again. Okay, here's why everything is going to be okay. Okay, let me pull something up real quick. So everything's going to be okay for the Dallas Cowboys, Cowboy Nation, because our next three games are against the Washington football team, the New York football giants, and the Washington football team. Now. I like the way that sounds. The only downside to that is that the next two games are on the road. But I don't think Washington beats this Cowboys team. I I, I don't either, Trey. You know, listen, what we've seen in the last four or five weeks, I mean, it's hard to believe I can say that with confidence. But the difference is, is oddly enough, we were losing the AFC West teams. We don't play them a lot. You know, this Washington team, we know this team. We know what they got. We know how they're coached, and they are coached well. But I do believe that the the other caveat to what you're saying is we have ten days off. Ten days to get ready off. for that game. They are coming. They have. They're going to come off of back to back. So they're they're not getting a lot of rest. We're going to get ten whole days to try to fix this. Mm. And I think that bodes well for our offense. I really do. I think it's going to get more people healthy. I have heard that. Uh, uh, there's a good chance Gallimore will be back for this game, nice. and Randall uh, uh, or uh, Randall Gregory, yeah, Randy, Randy, Gregory, Randy yeah. possibly, possibly the following week uh, against the Giants. So we're getting healthy at the right time, and I do believe, like you said, we have a, a familiar opponent coming up. Uh, th- three games of uh, two of Washington, one of New York, and and I just think that we're better than them. I, I look at it this way: if we can just win two of the next three. Right. If we can split the Washington, so so maybe they beat us Sunday. I definitely right. think we go up to New York and beat the Giants. I just, I think I we're just a much better football team. We're much better coach. That thing is turning into a dumpster fire, and <laughs> the only real like animosity they had for us or 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 edge they could have had against us they fired him jason garrett so yep absolutely and then we get washington again at home and on on a sunday night mind you uh day after christmas and i feel like if we can just win two of the next three and then split our last two that puts us at 11 and six, which I can feel really good about because that's going to be a division winner. We're probably going to play a team like hmm, probably the Rams. Well, probably I think we match up great with it'll either be the Rams or the 49ers. And here's the thing. Like, if you want to go to a Super Bowl, you've got to win. You've got to beat those teams. Like, those are the teams yeah. that you have to beat if you want to go to the Super Bowl. I also think that um, that's – yeah, I was uh, – never mind. Yeah, the Bucks. their schedule is 
cake. Let's see, what are the Cardinals looking like? Cardinals got, yeah. I mean, I think we're pretty much locked into that fourth seed. We'll be our division winner. We'll play the top-rated wildcard team. And I, I kind of like that because I don't want to have a fool's gold wildcard weekend win, you know, just to get disappointed in divisional round. Like, I want to beat a team on wildcard weekend or play a team on wildcard weekend that if we beat them, we go into the divisional round with the confidence of we can win this one too. I totally agree. And, I, I love that thinking. And here's the thing. We we could, especially if things kind of stay as they are here with LA and San Francisco, depending on how the bracket, it's not so crazy to think we couldn't host the divisional game because of another upset in the, well, no, I guess we would play the number one seed, wouldn't it? Which, yes, we were. Yeah, if we were the four. Which at that point, we better be hoping for Arizona for two reasons. One, we can avoid Aaron Rodgers until the NFC Championship. And two, you know how many uh, Cowboy fans are in Arizona? That's like our second. More than Arizona. Yeah, fans. it's like our second home. So it won't <laughs> even feel like a. Yeah. Won't even feel totally like an away game. So. And if you'll remember, I have us going through the playoffs. Having to face San you Francisco did. and I believe you did, and I believe Green Bay. Um, you know, I don't want it to be that, but um, I like your strategy. I think if we go on the road to Arizona, we're at home. I mean, there's a lot of ways that it can play out, but I do really like your idea of let's beat somebody that's somebody, yes, okay, let's go do something to where our team can say, you know what, we just beat one of the best teams in the NFL on the road, yeah, let's go get it. We just beat a team that was love it was picked to win the Super Bowl. Love it. So, all right. Well, with all that being said, Tracy, we have a segment we haven't gotten to yet that we normally do at the beginning, but with so much of a break that we had, we needed to catch up on on a lot of things that have been happening. So why don't we look at our true blue uh, top 10 power rankings for the NFL? What do you think? Yeah, let's do that, man. Let's let everybody know what we're thinking on this. And uh, this has been one of the most fluid years I remember in a long time as far as there being so many teams that are good and then so many teams that are just bad. I feel like the, um, you know, uh, I feel like there's not much that separate the good from the bad too. So so that's there too. But why don't you start us off uh, with number 10. Let us know who you got. Well, number 10, we've got the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they've earned yes, that. The I think they deserve that. I think Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and just what they're doing over there, they just put a pretty convincing win or had a pretty convincing win over Pittsburgh. And, I mean, that's a team. If I'm in the AFC, I don't know that I want to face them on Wild Card Weekend, personally. Man, I'll tell you what, they got an explosive offense. And, and you know, if I'm a young quarterback like uh, Burrow and, and to have that that offense, I, he's going to put up some numbers. But, yeah, that's a team to watch out for. Of course. Uh, number nine, hold on, we real, got the Titans. Hold on real quick. Yeah, I, I just said that so casually that way. But now I'm looking, you know, because of how the AFC is shaping out, it's not out of the question that Cincinnati could – could end up with the number one spot in the entire conference. Wouldn't that be something? Ooh. I would love that. I would love I that. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but yeah. it's it's a 
it's a possibility, but all right, go ahead. Man, that, that would be number awesome. nine. Okay. So number nine, we got the Tennessee Titans, you know, uh, how do you feel that they've managed to sustain without, you know, arguably the, the, one of the best offensive players in the NFL. I know it's, it's pretty impressive. I just, I also find myself kind of just counting the weeks to, okay, when are they going to kind of show us what, what they really are, you know, without Derrick Henry. So I'm hats off to them. They're finding ways to win games. I just don't see them sustaining this through the last stretch of the season into the playoffs like they would if they still had their, their bell cow. Yeah, sure. Oh, I'm up. Be interesting to see though. I, I, I like the way the Titans play. Um, number eight, we've got the LA Rams. I mean, they've, they've, they've kind of fallen in our top 10 power rankings, but they're still, they've still got the firepower. What is this team, Trey? I cannot figure out this team for my life. What what are the Rams? Well, I think they're an extremely talented football team with a lot of drama. That's what I think. Oh, really? Yeah. And what kind of drama is on that team? Well, you've got. Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got... Yeah, they do have a lot of personalities. That's what I'm saying. There's just so many personalities. You know, you've got Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, all on the defense, and it's okay, but that's a lot of egos. That's a, that's a lot of potential right. drama. A lot of people you, you, you're you trying to keep happy. I mean, Deshaun Jackson was on that roster and won it out. He won it out. That's amazing. He won it out. <laughs> but then I think... Uh, Robert Woods tore his ACL a couple weeks ago in practice, actually. I think that really set him back because he was a big part of what they did. Um, I think there's too many chefs in the kitchen. You know, you you have that many good guys on defense, that many weapons. I just think, to me, I've never seen it work out. And yes, we all know what Tampa Bay did last year. Um, Tom Brady, I think, is glue that keeps that together. I don't know that Matt Stafford is. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. I mean, I think I think Sean McVay is the face of that franchise. No doubt, man. So we'll see what uh, what Genius Wonder Boy can do uh, going to, into the playoffs. But the Rams are some something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, they are a enigma, as you <laughs> might say. <laughs> so who we got next? Okay. So we got uh, at number seven, we got uh, the truly bluely Dallas Cowboys coming in. Uh, we know they've been on a terrible run, but we know what they got. You know, it's hard to put them any higher than than, than where they are now, uh, the way they played. But uh, I like the potential in this team, and I like that this team's getting healthy. Hey, Trey, this team's getting healthy at the right time. I never remember a Cowboys team that was so beat up that is getting all their players back for the last stretch. Yeah, I mean, if I don't remember that happening. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to go through the injury bug, I mean, it, it we picked the right way to do it, right? I mean, if 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 it shapes out where we get everybody back just in time for the playoff run or playoff push, yeah, whatever. Absolutely. Um Coming in at number six is a team that I think everyone needs to keep an eye on. I think they're starting to figure it out um, after a very tough start to the season, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. I think if you look at what they have left to play, they 
have a very good chance to win out. And they could very well be that team that overtakes the number one spot in the AFC, Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that team is a team that we all know can be very But here's the deal, Tracy. Um, If there's a team that's going to keep them from doing that, I think it's the team you're getting ready to say crazy enough. Yeah, and listen, coming in at number five, um, you know, a team that I expected to be there, but not many other people did, but that's the the Patriots. Yeah. Um, What can you say about the Patriots right now? I mean, they won six straight. Uh, They're getting it done all kinds of ways. They're getting good quarterback play. Obviously, we know about their coaching. Everybody is buying into this thing. And I feel like teams don't believe they're as good as they are. So I think that they're just finding it out when they get in the game. Like, I really thought the Cowboys were going to blow them out. Okay. I was a little taken aback, even though I thought they were going to be good this year. How good that they played us. And, um, you know, this is a team that – if you're not careful, you could see him in the Super Bowl in the next couple of years. Yeah. If you're not careful, you could see him in the Super Bowl this year. I, I was going to say. I mean, that's a team. <laughs> I was going to say that's that. a team that's really a, a a play or two away from being nine and three right now with a rookie quarterback. They really are. I just they it's just really hard are. to bet against the best coach in the NFL and our you know NFL history even and Bill Belichick, but. I uh, yeah, I think you definitely were were ahead of the head of the curve when you predicted Mac Jones to win Rookie of the Year at the beginning of the season. I pretty much shut it down and said I was not a believer in Mac Jones. He's proven me and and the rest of the doubters of his wrong. And uh, Bill Belichick's um, proving why he's the goat. Uh, head coach in the NFL and in NFL history. I really believe had Belichick drafted anybody else, had Matt Jones not been there, had he taken anybody else, I just don't – I think he was the perfect fit fit for this team. I really do. I think it was the perfect draft pick. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they got. All right, number four, we got the Ravens. I think we're going to get the same Ravens we've got in the last three years. They're going to finish out the – the season, the number one or number two team in the AFC, and then they're going to lose in the divisional round. I just don't think their brand of football is really built to win in the playoffs. I shouldn't say it that way because it's it's actually the exact opposite of that. Their brand of football is exactly what you need to win in the playoffs. Strong defense, strong running game. However, I feel like the way they utilize – let me say it this way, Tracy – the way they utilize Lamar Jackson, I don't think is something that is going to get you to the Super Bowl. And it's not even a knock against him. It's – I don't know. I just I, – I, I watch him play. He's electrifying. He's one of the most exciting players to watch in NFL history. He keeps you hanging off the edge of your seat. You just never know what he's going to do. When he's on the field, the Ravens always have a chance to win because he's just a playmaker, a gamer, and a winner. I just feel like when the playoffs roll around, it's going to be the same old Ravens of the last few years, which is a divisional loss. Well, I totally agree with everything you said, and I'll add one thing to it before we move on, is I I just don't think Lamar Jackson plays well in the playoffs. 
he's a different quarterback in the playoffs. Now, listen, I don't know if the defenses are just better. They are better. But I don't know if just the pressure of the playoffs. But to me, I've seen him in the playoffs the last two or three years. He doesn't look like the same guy. And maybe he will get over that hump and this could be the year. But, yes, they're always going to be there. If you got a player like Lamar Jackson, you're in the hunt. And that's that's always going to be good. Uh, so number three. Number three, we got the Tampa Bay Bucks. I mean, listen, this is a team that um, has lost some pretty dicey games recently. They've not played their best football. But uh, they do ha- just have three losses. They have, you know, arguably the best quarterback this year playing and I feel like that's a team that they've already bought in. So they know what they can do. They get hot at the right time. And what we all need to pray in the NFC is that that team does not get hot starting this week and, and start really steaming. We need to hope that they're still continuing this inconsistency on offense and, and having some defense relapse. But, uh, yeah, the Bucks are coming in at number three. Well, I think they are going to get hot just because – I'm scared. Tom Brady. But – yeah. Uh, number two, we've got the Cardinals. Even though the Cardinals technically have the best record in football at nine and two, we've got them at number two. And I'm looking at the Cardinals' schedule, dude. 10, 11. Oh, I guess they got to play the Rams and the Colts. Still not sure what the Colts are, but I mean, that's a pretty decent schedule, though. They got the Cowboys. They I'm got- saying coming into the Cowboys, they could. In theory, be thirteen and two. I guess it's going to depend on how healthy they are. Um, but we've got them at number two. Uh, the Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, even with injuries, even uh, not having DeAndre Hopkins, uh, they didn't have Kyler Murray. They they've still managed to maintain yeah. the the best record in football. Um, They're clearly buying in over yeah. there. And and one cool thing, and the reason why I kind of hope that they keep winning until we play them is. I think that we're going to luckily get a chance to see a playoff game before the playoffs. We're going to get a chance to test what the Cowboys are against one of the better team, the best team in the NFL right now, record wise, and a team that we could see in the playoffs. So I'm really looking forward to that game. Yeah, I agree. And, you Top know, spot. number one is the Packers. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> it's, 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 it doesn't matter who they got. Doesn't matter who's playing. Doesn't matter who's coaching. It doesn't matter because they have Aaron Rodgers. And the Packer teams play a, a, a very disciplined brand of football. And every time I watch them, there's not a lot of flags on the ground. They're, they're blocking. They're taking care of their assignments. I mean, they're playing good special teams. I mean, their defense. What do you think about their defense? Dude, well, before I even get to their defense, I feel like the Packers could put Tracy Hall at slot receiver and Trey Smith at running back, and Aaron Rodgers is going to find a way to win with those two slaps. I'm getting a first down <laughs> if nobody's within 20 yards of me. I, I, I'm going to catch the ball as long as nobody's within 20 yards of me. I will catch it. <sighs> Okay, anybody a little closer, I may not. But you know the way Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball right now, I, I mean, I, I tell you, and I love Dak, and you know that. But and I think Dak is elite, but there's a different elite. Yes. Okay, and Aaron Rodgers' arm, the throws that Dak have been missing the last few weeks, Aaron Rodgers can throw that off his front foot, his back foot, going sideways, going front ways. I mean, the guy's footwork's not always great, but he lays the ball right on your hands. His wrist and arm, I hope it's insured at London's, you know, for a gazillion dollars because it's truly amazing. And and the guy, I don't I I'm I don't 
really, I'm not into him as a dude. I don't dig his commercials. I don't dig his attitude. But when it comes to the football field, to me, pound for pound, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I mean, it's hard for me, though, to go against Brady because, you know, say what you want about everything you just went through. Brady's Brady in his first matchup with Aaron Rodgers in the NFC championship, Brady won. And if they see each other again this year, I'm, I'm, my money's on Brady. Brady's probably going to win. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, as far as just the pure talent, I mean, I get what you're saying because yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is, he is, but it's pure talent. He's got it, but there's something about talent and then decision-making and inside a game that Tom Brady, he just, he has the ability to make everybody around him good. And I don't mean on offense. I mean on defense, special teams. Nobody wants to let Tom Brady down. Nobody. Exactly. Nobody wants to let Tom Brady down. And here, here's just as we're kind of rabbit trailing into this conversation, I feel like with Aaron Rodgers – what gets him up in the morning and motivates him to to be his best is he creates these narratives of him being the victim with everything. Right. And I don't with like everything. That. that. That bothers and me. And yeah. it's, it's, I don't know if it's a, like he just truly has a victim mentality that he's always had, or if it's like a personal choice and it's by design where I'm going to create these, these narratives, you know, like Michael Jordan used to create the narratives of, of someone, Mm -hmm. uh, wronging wronging him so that he could go get them. Whereas I'm wondering if like Aaron Rodgers way of like Aaron Rodgers way of getting himself up to go compete is to make himself the victim. Whereas with Tom Brady, the chip that Tom Brady carries isn't a victim mentality. Tom Brady's is the ultimate underdog. And yes, it is. And his, his approach has always been whether I've got zero Super Bowl rings or seven Super Bowl rings, like somebody's waiting to take my job if I don't bring my absolute best every day. And that's what they said about his entire tenure in new England. That's how he's approaching it in Tampa Bay. Like he, he acts as if there is someone ready and waiting to take his job. If he at all gets relaxed and, 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 and starts to get comfortable. And I think that both of those fires are both very effective in motivating both of those individuals. But I think as it pertains to leading the ones around them, you see the difference. And it goes back to what you just said. Players playing with Tom Brady don't want to let him down. Players playing with Aaron Rodgers, I think it's probably a coin toss as to who likes him and who doesn't. But I don't think anyone is just hard pressed to like, oh man, I can't let A-Rod down. I don't think I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. And I don't. Yeah, and I definitely don't think that's the case. And I think to me, the chip, the A Rod chip that he has, to me, comes off pathetic and unlikable. It makes it makes you kind of an unlikable figure. Whereas Tom Brady, it's more of a competitive juice. Yes. You know what I mean? It's all about salary. Oh, look what the Packers did to me. Oh, they drafted a quarterback. Oh, they did this. Which Tom Brady, he doesn't care about that. It's about you know what. So what if they draft him? The kid ain't getting the game when I'm That's here. Right. Well, think about it. They they brought in uh, Garoppolo in New England, essentially to replace him. And 
Yeah, buy Garoppolo. Exactly. <laughs> Brady took care of that. Bye. So, yeah. anyways. If this man wins another Super Bowl, Trey, I mean, listen, already – we're so blessed. I mean, we've lived in the era of Michael Jordan. We've lived in the era of Wayne Gretzky. We've lived in the area of, 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 of you know, Alex Rodriguez, whoever you want to say about ba- baseball. But, I mean, Tom Brady. I mean, some of these guys will never, ever be eclipsed. Yeah. Never. As long as football goes, I have a hard time believing you'll ever have a quarterback win, win you six Super Bowls. Yeah. Maybe a franchise. Maybe a franchise will win seven, eight, but one quarterback with that many rings, and he's not done yet. And I got to be honest with you, he doesn't look near done. No, and I, I not even near. I'll tell you, if the Cowboys, if it's not their year, like we've been hoping for for the last twenty five plus years, <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing a Brady versus Belichick Super Bowl. I'm gonna tell you right now, I would love that. Yeah. I would pay money to see yeah. that. If the Cowboys aren't going to be in it. I, they could put that on like a UFC fight for rent. Yes. And I'm in at 60 bucks, fifty nine ninety I'm in. All right. Well, with that, closing thoughts, Tracy. You got any closing thoughts for us? We're about to hit, yes. hit the hour mark. Cowboy fans. Look, Cowboy fans, hang in there. I'm going to tell you why this is going to be good. We got 10 days to get this thing together. We got NFC East opponents coming up that we are better than. And we're going to get a chance to see the Cowboys in a game that is going to be against one of the best teams in the NFL before we get to the playoffs. So let's hold tight. We're true blue. We bleed blue. We're going to believe in this team until we see otherwise. But I've got nothing. Thanks for everybody that's been asking for for the podcast. And uh, Trey, what you got coming up on the uh, Blue Bloods uh, this weekend? Oh, man? yeah. Blue Bloods, our uh, college content we have. In fact, you can check out the YouTube channel or the podcast, Blue Bloods CGT. Uh, we've got a uh, championship weekend in the world of college football coming up starting uh, Friday right. night, which is tonight. We're recording this on a Friday night. Let's do so it. So we got the uh, Pac-12 championship. And then next uh, uh, tomorrow, we've got a huge lineup of championship games. And man, I mean, we're really trying to build the the video content on the college side of things right now. And we've been getting a really yeah, good coming. return. Uh, we've got a goal to try to hit a thousand subscribers. We're, I think we actually just eclipsed 200 today. Um, How can everybody go get that and subscribe? Where do they need to go Blue to? Blood CGT on YouTube. You can go to youtube.com uh, slash Blue Blood CGT, or you can just go to YouTube and type it in the search bar. We'll be the first one to pop up. Blue Bloods CGT as in college game time. Um, and then, man, uh, as far as True Blue, we're still on the social medias, Facebook, uh, Twitter and Instagram at True Blue Pod. Um, man, we're just we're just grinding away. Uh, our goal now is to kind of get back in the rhythm that we were in, and that's to get back to our weekly, um, get back to our Dissection weekly section of this weekly shows. <laughs> and then you know what? I mean, eventually we would like to get some uh, some action going with the video content as well, whether that be. Uh, um, a true blue podcast playlist on the blue bloods channel, whether that's having our own true blue channel, uh, that is kind of something we're working towards. In fact, we're doing our first remote recording today, seeing how this goes. Um, and then, and then we're hoping to not just be able to get back into our regular weekly routine, but to also maybe have like some bonus, uh, episodes that we drop, like whether it's a mid game or post game, things like that. Now that we've got, uh, uh, 
you know, the technolo- technological needs that we have needed to be able to do that. So, yes, absolutely. We're looking forward to bringing that all to you guys to you soon. So hang in there and let's see what's going to happen this next week when we get Washington. I can't wait. All right. All right. Well, that's all I got, Tracy. Let's let's take care of business this week. In true blue nation. We'll see you next we'll time. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.